Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Healing the Nations podcast, your podcast for religious liberty, end time events, and social justice issues. And I have a very special guest. I have Brother Jesse Ravencroft. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a great honor to have you. Glad to be here. Now, Brother Ravencroft, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes. Um, I currently live in Idaho. I am a layman at the time being. Um, I have had training in ministry. I've been a lay pastor before. Um, currently, I still work with W.D. Frizzy Sermons. That's my ministry that I do. And it is um, the historical works of the late uh, W.D. Frizzy. He was the founder of Wildwood Sanitarium Incorporated, Eden Valley. And also, he was a great uh, mentor and influencer for uh, many of the great leaders in our church, like um, Mark Finley, and uh, even helped to inspire Doug Batchelor to get his country home. Um, I've been involved with that now for 15 years, and for the foreseeable future, I'd like to continue to be involved with that for the rest of my life. My passion is history. Um, my profession right now, what brings in money is I'm a massage therapist, but my real passion is history. I never wanted to get a degree in it because looking at all the books I would have to read to get a doctorate in history, I did not want to read those books. I was particularly offended. One book I read that uh, mentioned that Jesus Christ was weak, and that's why he died so quickly on the cross. And I thought, if I have to read stuff like this, forget the degree. So I just have made it a hobby of mine, and I enjoy reading history. Um, that's what I am still involved with, uh, with Prezi's sermons. I uh, take the historical recordings from Prezi and others uh, that were um, contemporaries with him, like Dr. Sutherland, and I uh, preserve the recordings. I promote them. I put them online. You can find several his recordings on WDF Sermons, S-E-M-O-N-S dot org. And uh, uh, there's lots of content on there. And um, today, I believe uh, you've had me on here because uh, I want to discuss some current things that are happening. And I've mentioned a lot of things that uh, I firmly believe in. Um, looking at modern day events, I tend to look at them through the glasses of history and comparing what we see now through what has been before helps me at least to um, help sieve through a lot of the information that's out there to see what I believe is more accurate and not. Of course, the main sieve I use is the gospel sieve of the inspired writings. And right after the inspired writings would be history. So thank you so much for uh, having me, uh, Peter, and look forward to uh, this, uh, this session with you. The pleasure is ours. You know, we have two things in common. We both love WD for Z sermons, and we also both love history. Uh, <laughs> I, just want, I just want to give a plug. Elder Frizee, since he's passed on, it's not an issue that I could say this freely. He is one of my favorite preachers. I always learn a lot from his messages, and I've been so blessed by the practicality 
uh, blending the gospel with reform. And, Praise uh, God. And so if you have a chance and opportunity, the link will be on the description of this podcast. Please access these vital messages, these timeless messages for our people. Now, Brother Jesse. Yes, sir. I believe that we're in a crisis right now in the Seventh yes. Avenue Church. And it's an interesting crisis because you've been in ministry a long time. Yes, sir. Before, the threat was new theology, celebration movement, the issue of righteous by faith and victory over sin. Yeah. But it's now mutated into a political division in the church. Yes. Uh, what do you see right now that's going on? And what has precipitated this crisis? I see exactly what you've mentioned, uh, a big shift. Like you say, I grew up uh, seeing division in the church. And as you say, a lot of it was to do with uh, differences in beliefs, uh, lots of it to do with uh, differences among uh, people who were laymen or self-supporting and those who are in denominational work and various other ways to see division Right now, as you say, I am seeing a whole, whole huge uh, division with uh, politics. Um, it's different where each of us are right now. Uh, where I live, uh, I'm in a minority. <laughs> I'm a minority of uh, where I live. I live in the wonderful state of Idaho, and um, it's known for <laughs> being of a certain political persuasion and people that are of that persuasion tend to move here. And uh, uh, so I'm surrounded with uh, people of that persuasion. I love them dearly, but uh, they usually know where I stand on the issues. In church, uh, for example, um, I gave a sermon once. And it was about the history of um, our health message. I didn't think there was anything political in the message. I try whenever I preach to not get into things that would be considered politically controversial. I try to save that for other times. Um, but as you say now, um, you can't really say anything without being viewed as you're either from the far left or the, from the far right. And you're categorized as that in church, no matter what you try to do. Uh, so after this sermon of just preaching about the uh, health message during fellowship lunch, one of the attendees at the church, all during lunch, everything I said, every comment that was made on the sermon was turned into politics, and it was turned into his version of politics, and uh, he was a, a big Trump supporter, and of course, everything was geared to that. Uh, another time I was giving Bible studies, and this was a man who was interested in becoming a Seventh-day Adventist. There was a man also attending the Bible studies uh, to kind of encourage this other man, and he was has had been a Seventh-day Adventist for many, many years, as far as I knew most of his life. And no matter what the topic was, we went through all the fundamental beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church every single time. Everything had to be taken and twisted and turned to something political. Um, 
and it was quite interesting the the times that we live in and it's also interesting to see uh, the attitudes that are common in political uh, opponents uh, the fights between liberals conservatives democrats republicans and to see a lot of the same attitudes and ways of arguing uh, reflected in the church. Uh, One gentleman, I can remember just looking at his face. I wasn't really even paying attention to what he said, but I was just looking in his face as he was talking, and I could see the hatred, the anger, the self-righteousness that was welling up in him as he was dwelling on these political things. And he felt perfectly justified in doing so. And I couldn't help but think to myself, what has happened to our church? How can we be so impacted by secular politics? I didn't grow up with that. As as you were mentioning, politics, I would hear quite a bit about politics, but it was never in this fashion, never so much where it has to be integrated with everything we say and do, and uh, every sermon has to be twisted um, in uh, listeners' ears to mean something political, even when you don't mean anything political. And it has caused a big division. I am on social media, as I know you are, Peter, and many others. I'm sure many of your listeners are on social media. And I have friends on social media who are on both sides of the equation. I get to friends that are vehement anti-Trumpers and whatever I see posted on social media is something very vehemently and sometimes harshly and sometimes rudely um, anti-Trump. And then on the other hand, um, very pro-Trump, very harsh very rude at times, pro-Trump. And most of my friends fall in those two extremes. Um, I have very few. I'm very thankful to have you, Peter, (laughs) that, uh, like me, see that uh, this is a problem. And I don't see this as a healthy thing for our church at all. And I see this as um, one of the ways that the devil is using to um, not just divide the church, but to totally incapacitate the church where we miss what our mission is and we get lost in all these political ideologies and political arguments and we miss giving the message. At the time that uh, Donald Trump was running for office, I was a lay pastor and I told my congregation I said, whoever wins this election, I don't care who it is, but I want this church to be a safe place where anybody, no matter who they voted for, no matter what they believe politically, can come here and we can worship in peace. And I stress that point, and I still believe that point. Um, I do have my own political beliefs. I would consider myself more of a political libertarian. I do vote, but uh, I try to keep that as separate 
from my church uh, interaction as I possibly can, because I, I do believe that these things are a big distraction. And I think it's very sad. I think it's part of uh, the devil's game to really um, get the church where it's not ready to receive the latter rain. It's not ready for the final crisis. And as we look around us, we see so much going on. The world is at a, at a stage where there never was a time it needed more faithful seven-day Adventists to preach the truth that was given us. I think the world needs that more than anything right now, but we're largely incapacitated with this huge influx of concern uh, of political division in our church. And I think it's really hurting our witness, Peter. Yes, indeed. Now, I've been in ministry for almost 20 years. I would guess that you've been in ministry for that long or longer. Yes, sir. And... In the early years of ministry, we were concerned with questions on doctrine, the yes. infiltration of evangelical gospel in righteousness by faith and uh, victory over sin. But now people that profess victory over sin, people that profess the vindication of Christ's character, oddly enough, now their prophetic identity is now influenced by evangelical eschatology. Do you see yes. this? And correct me if I'm wrong, but in ministry before 2016, I think Adventists were pretty united of the threat of evangelical Christians and the religious right. How about you? Yes. I saw that everywhere in all the sermons I listened to, all the magazines I read, all the friends I had. Yes, I would say I agree with you 100% on that. And what happened? What happened in 2016 with the election of Donald Trump? Well, that is an interesting one. Uh, by the way, on that topic, um, I cannot remember, and please help, help me if maybe you remember someone. I cannot remember before 2016 a single Seventh-day Adventist um, making really hard political statements about abortion. Now, I, of course, have my views on it, and I've known many uh, Seventh-day Adventists that have had their views on it, but I cannot remember a single instance of somebody being so um, adamant that this is the thing uh, until 2016. I can agree. You I agree. Can you remember any? Oh, definitely. It was not emphasized at all. Yeah, it, it's it's just like it's something that came out of the blue almost. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's just, it just came out of nowhere. And of course, we can't talk about this without talking about uh, Donald Trump. Now, um, some of your listeners that may know me, uh, they might <laughs> be very upset with me, but I think I'll say this anyway. Um if they want to unfriend me, if they're on social media, well, that's your choice. But I'm going to say this. I actually considered voting for the guy for a while, okay? Um, I know that's going to make some people upset that I said that, but I actually did. Um, 
I am somebody who loves history and loving history. I've also very acquainted with political history. And I know that there's people that uh, have really harsh rhetoric, but their policies are actually much more mild. And there are people with very mild rhetoric and they know how to really say things, but their, um, their policies are very extreme. Uh, quite honestly, Donald Trump's policies in comparison with the choice of Republican um, contenders at the time um, was actually a little more mild politically. Uh, when he got to the point, though, of when he said the Muslim ban, I said, that's that's it. I'm not considering this at all. At first, I was actually in the same park with many of my good friends who still to this day say, well, he's the lesser of two evils. I toyed with that idea, but I couldn't with a clear conscience do that after um, he, he gave the uh, Muslim ban. So why why Donald Trump? Well, and why do many send Adventists vote? Why did they vote for him? And why did they continue to support him despite all that has happened? Um, I think a lot of other Seventh-day Adventists like me could actually see through the hard rhetoric and could see that his policies were actually a little more mild than some of the other contenders. And that uh, a lot of the things that he has done while in office, um, as you mentioned, uh, the more conservative Seventh-day Adventists would, uh, and even not so conservative Seventh-day Adventists, more left-wing Seventh-day Adventists, even they, I have friends on all spectrums, even they have felt that uh, his policies have been good, um, a lot of the policies. Um, and uh, I would have to agree that uh, I would agree with a lot of the policies. And uh, so there's a lot we can relate with the uh, outgoing president on and a lot we could agree with him on. Uh, but why, why of all things was it Donald Trump that caused such a strong political um, I almost want to say um, hypnotic effect on God's church, unlike I've ever seen before, because there's been many political candidates through the years that, uh, you know, I agreed with one person's policy more than the other and policies that were similar to Donald Trump's. What's it about this guy uh, more so than any other? Well, in conversing with, my friends that are um, supporters of him, I have supporters of all different ranges, or friends, those who are um, very strongly in favor of him, and those who voted of, of him, you might say, with their noses plugged and did not want to vote for him again. So I know people from all the different spectrums. But one thing about Donald Trump that uh, he has been able to do, and I think that this has had a profound influence on God's church, is um, he's a great businessman. As anyone that knows his background knows, he's, uh, he's a 
considered a success guru and has trained other people how to have this great success. He even had a reality TV show on the issue and he's written many books and he's been influenced himself um, by the great success gurus. And one of the things, one of his mentors um, taught him and he's used this and I see this in success gurus all over the world. There's a belief in creating your own reality. Um, in other words, it's kind of like we think of ourselves as God. So what we, if we focus on something enough and we say it enough and we want it enough, even if it's not true now, it's going to be true in the future. So for him, he can say what he wants reality to be, not what reality is. And to him, he's not lying. He's just making reality the way he thinks it, he wants it, or the way it should be, uh, even if it's different from what reality is right now. He doesn't like reality right now, so that's the way he wants it to be. So that's the way he's going to say it, no matter what um, <laughs> what the current reality is. And I think his approach has had a really big impact on on people, obviously, and on Adventists, Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, a lot of Seventh-day Adventists, I think, have been caught up in um, his, um, uh, shall I say, um, his charisma. And they, um, he knows just what to say. He knows how to take arguments and turn them around. He really is an expert at the uh, in the school of deflection, whataboutism. And I see my Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters using the same skills. What concerns me so much isn't just believing the same uh, ideologies, which I agree with several of the ones that... Uh, Donald Trump has said, but the way he he gets to what he wants, the skills he uses um, to get what he wants, I see that reflected. It's it's to me, it's almost like he's had a hypnotic effect on his followers and on people in the church, where they're use, they're sounding like him, they're acting like him, they're talking like him, and. Um, I don't know exactly all that's happening, but I do know that the devil has used current events to really bring about uh, division in God's church. And I know the devil has used this. I Once again, I have friends on both sides of the aisle, and both of them are going to be mad at me for everything I've said, because I've said things on both sides. But... Um, I believe the devil has been behind all of this. Um, the, the, the extreme hatred uh, against Trump on the one hand and the extreme hatred of those who are major supporters of his uh, and the huge division over issues that I don't find a single inspired statement of where we should make these the dividing line really, really 
concerns me. And uh, I think that um, another thing that has been a major um, thing that uh, Seventh-day Adventists in particular agree with Donald Trump is he uh, is he has attacked people in, quote unquote, the media. <laughs> now, when people throw well around the term the media, usually what they mean is um, CNN, MSNBC. You can name sp some specific uh, news outlets, and that's the media. <laughs> Other news sources that are also media. So they're very choosy on what exactly that means. But um, I agree with Donald Trump, and I think most Adventists agree that there's a lot of bias in CNN and these other networks that uh, is not always true reporting. And because there are some things we can agree with, and we can see it as the lesser of two evils, we can, uh, and many have supported it, I have not, but uh, many of my friends have supported it, but in the act of doing so, I think they've gotten sucked in more than just the issues to the methods that uh, Donald Trump and his followers have used to accomplish their goals. Those methods have rubbed off on um, our church members. And I think that is a huge part of what is causing this division, those methods. It's not that I disagree with all the end goals. I highly disagree with the methods to get to those end goals, no matter what those end goals happen to be. It's not just about, um, as you've probably heard the saying, uh, it's not all about the destination, it's about the journey. And you're probably also familiar with this, the motto of the Jesuits, the end justifies the means. doesn't matter what means you take as long as the end is good. And that is exactly what I'm seeing in this division that's happening. Uh, the reasons that people use, they're looking at the end result. And they're not thinking about the means it takes to get there. Now, it kind of reminds me, the end to justify the means. I won't mention his name. You'll probably be familiar with him because you and I have been in ministry for so long. There was a pastor that had hundreds of thousands of baptisms throughout the United States, a conservative, dare I say, present truth pastor Yes, uh, in the inner cities. And yes. his methods <laughs> were not godly. Yes. <laughs> his character kind of reminds me of the current president in many ways. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> but many gave him a pass, and he had devout followers that you present the evidence, and they would defend him like no tomorrow. Exactly. Why are Seventh-day Adventists particularly vulnerable to this type of thinking? Well, I think the main reason would be the devil hates the Seventh-day Adventist church, and he's going to do whatever he can to um, sow division and discord. And he knows that a very effective method is uh, through charismatic people. He knows he can he can get large chunks of people. He gets people in two ways, by the way. I know the individual you were mentioning, and I could think of others I could uh, put in the same category with him. And um, 
the devil knows that when he gets these very influential people to get a following and uh, they can go off in the deep end, he's going to get people in 2A. He's going to get the people that follow the air or maybe not even air, just the wrong attitude, the wrong demeanor. Maybe sometimes it's air and a wrong attitude. He'll get people to follow that, some people, and then he'll get other people make a reaction to that. People that will throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like you say, the one, one presenter we know, uh, known as conservative. So, ah, well, that's conservative. That's an example of a conservative preacher. So that's a good reason why we don't want to accept any conservative preacher, anyone that uh, uses the spirit of prophecy or what you could go on and on of um, the reaction to um, these fallouts. And I know what happened to that, uh, that minister in particular. I have many personal experiences of this and it's scary. And I've, I've been a follower myself in, um, in what I call an Adventist cult. There are very small ones and there are very large ones. And it is dangerous, tremendously dangerous to, to follow a man, a woman, or a group of men, a group of women. Uh, we, need to, we need to be following Christ. And we need to be very careful about getting caught up in these uh, charismatic movements. They have power. And I believe um, a lot of these... Um, these people can start out with uh, very good intentions, but like the devil, um, he was the most beautiful angel. He was the highest of all the angels, and it got to his head. A lot of these uh, charismatic people, I think it gets to their head. Now, even the people that I know that are the biggest Trump supporters, they still admit that uh, that guy is, <laughs> is very narcissistic. And some of that has rubbed off, I think, on in the church. And that is, I think, a major, major problem uh, when you get that, that demeanor, that attitude rubbing off in the church. So it, uh, it's a problem in the secular world. It's been a problem in our church. And I think our members have been very vulnerable to that. Um, and I think it's something we really need to watch out for, uh, not leaning on any any man or group of men. And I believe that uh, the Lord has ha allowed a lot of uh, these these people to fall and to go off the deep end, uh, so we could learn the lesson of not leaning on any man. Now, I don't know how to divorce the two, but. The political division has bled over to a racial division yes. in the church, in conservative Adventism. Yes. To the point where I have people of color saying, we will not go to set convocation or conference anymore because we yes. don't feel safe. Yes. I mean, we witnessed, I it's mean, bad. in social media today, you saw an, uh, a conservative self-supporting Adventist teacher posting racially charged posts that, you saw me engage with. Or yes, you, I you saw that. You uh, saw me. Do I was I was appalled to, 
be quite frank with you when I uh, saw who it was posting that. And basically it was a whataboutism was the basis of that. And, um, and it, 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 I found it offensive and uh, I could easily see how uh, somebody who maybe was just interested in becoming some day Adventist could read something like that. And uh, if they had, <laughs> quite frankly, if they had good morals about them, I could see them being extremely offended by that and not being interested in the church and blaming that on the church. You see, God is so great. He forgives us. Uh, he can forgive us for, for sin, any sin. But people don't. People aren't so forgiving. People will hold that not only against us, but the whole church. And that is serious. And, you know, oh, it's been so painful lately to hear the racially charged rhetoric in the church. As you know, the word that has become kind of a dirty word in um, certain Adventist circles, Black Lives Matter, I didn't even use that phrase. I also posted a post on on Facebook, on social media, against prejudice. I didn't even use the phrase. I was trying to make sure it sounded as unpolitical as possible, but true, because that's the truth. God is no respecter of persons, and we're not to be either. But even so, for that, somebody called me poisoned for putting that on there. My mind has been poisoned by the left because I dared to post something against prejudice. Peter, I think it's, it's, it's just unbelievable and how this has spilled over. And uh, um, yes, it's easy to find uh, people in the movement of Black Lives Matter that uh, have gone really off the deep end. And I think some of my friends that uh, are getting too caught up in politics have uh, said some things that are really off the deep end. And then there's a reaction on the other side that uh, wants to write off the whole thing. And that when you say anything against prejudice at all, or when you try to bring out the fact, the fact that God is no respecter of persons, you're automatically seen as somebody from the left. You're automatically seen as somebody that's a communist, that's, that's politically liberal, or you're part of Black Lives Matter. You're a writer. It's insane uh, how much tension this has brought in the church. And I go back to Jesus. We're told in the Desire of Ages that Jesus had nothing to do with the um, points of variance between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He didn't get involved in all their, their debates. Interesting, uh, in the Gospels, we read um, that Jesus was able to um, uh, challenge the Sadducees on the resurrection. And remember, Paul later, uh, he, he took advantage of the uh, division from the Sadducees and the Pharisees on the point of the resurrection, and he used that to... Uh, get himself free, basically, <laughs> from um, from the trial he was in. And um, the truth was that the Pharisees doctrinally 
believe the truth. Now, now here's the thing. It's tempting when somebody else says something or believes something like I do to identify myself with that person or that group. Or, inversely, somebody else says something I don't believe in and then to automatically assume that person is um, is my enemy or that person is in the category with all my other enemies because there's one point I happen to disagree with them on. I think the most important thing for us to remember is the Adventist church has its own stances on political issues. And we do officially, we officially have stances on political issues. And just because we may have similarities with uh, certain political parties doesn't mean that we are to align with those political parties. And just because we have uh, differences with other political parties doesn't mean we can't agree with them on certain issues. I mean, it's a complete confusion. I thought that this was um, this was always something clear cut. I have never seen in my life where this has to be such a controversial, confusing issue that uh, uh, because of a person's skin color or their national origin or uh, or their accent, that a person is somehow uh, should be afraid of them. We should be uh, divisive toward them. I have never seen anything like this in my life and it seriously concerns me you know i always wondered why rwanda happened with adventists killing each other yes or why adventists collaborated with hitler in nazi yes. germany but the reality is right before our eyes yes yes it's easy for us to get caught up in politics and easy for us to succumb in particular with uh, with Hitler, uh, the Adventist organization in uh, Nazi-controlled areas cooperated uh, with Hitler, as you say. And uh, <laughs> they even went overboard. Um, the literature bears this out, that um, they even did more than that was necessary to um, avoid being shut down by the state. They went out of their way to uh, make outlandish uh, statements against Jews in their publications, in their official church publications. Um, all these things, you know, I find shocking. And um, we see it today where the political influence is influencing God's church at an alarming rate. And it's, it's very concerning. Um, where I am, uh, by the way, I live on a Native American reservation in the middle of Idaho. And from what I understand, the natives that I live with are big blue, basically, uh, very much in favor of Democrats and all surrounded deep red, very much in favor of uh, Republicans and Donald Trump and so forth. And... Uh, there's so much tension where I am, even in my um, the churches I, I attend and speak at. Um, very, 
very, very concerning to see um, God's people being so easily influenced by politics and how easy it is to, to influence them. Um, all you have to say is, uh, I don't trust what uh, the mainstream media says. And then from that, slip in a racial slur and then all of a sudden it's okay. Um, <laughs> I know that God is in charge. And um, as you say, I'm just, I'm really shocked to see where I am right now in history. But um, prophecy has told us we would come to this stage. And uh, I, I didn't know I would see the stage happen like this, but here we are, here we are now. What do you think is the solution to heal the racial divide in the church? Not even well, in the world, but in the church. <laughs> oh, yes. The world, <laughs> until it accepts Christ, it's not going to solve its problem. But just in God's church, same answer for all of these issues. And that is that is Christ, coming to Christ, taking the time that we would spend in reading something that would get us feeling really politically and emotionally charged and taking that time instead to read God's word. I have made it a point in my post to continuously um, urge people to instead of reading your conspiracy theory or of your news, whatever political persuasion it is, I don't care, whatever it is, take that time instead, spend it in the word of God, spend it in prayer, Spend it with Jesus. Jesus was no respecter of persons. And anyone who is close to Jesus cannot be a respecter of persons, cannot use whataboutisms and deflections to justify um, discrimination. You cannot do that if you're close to Christ. If you're doing that, it's a sign you are not close to Christ. And um, reactionism and um, um, sensitivity um, making a big issue of political things. It's, I believe it's all a symptom of uh, distraction from Satan. And I recently posted this quote on social media. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, this is Councils on Health, page 460. Satan delights in war, for it excites the worst passions of the soul and then sweeps into eternity its victims steeped in vice and blood. It is his object to incite the nations to war against one another, for he can thus divert the minds of the people from the work of preparation to stand in the day of God. The devil likes these things. He likes anything that diverts our attention from where it needs to be. And the racial divide, the tensions, the politicking, all of this is a symptom of taking our eyes from where they need to be on Jesus' work in the most holy place, finishing the work for us and getting distracted with these other things. I think it's extra easy for Seventh-day Adventists because we know about last-day events. We know about the future of this country. We know about prophecy and what is going to happen, how the world is going to end. And because of that, I think we're a little more vulnerable to get caught up in 
news and in things that are happening. And I think that makes us a little extra susceptible to spend too much time in looking at, quote unquote, the signs of the times. And by the way, this is something I've really been convicted on myself um, lately that uh, I've been spending too much time on just uh, trying to be informed of current events to see how they fit into prophecy. Uh, that can easily be overdone, and I've been convicted I've overdone it lately. And when I notice my own blood pressure rise as I'm reading things of injustice, um, I think it's right for my blood pressure to rise. I, I should not like injustice, but if I'm beholding that to the point where um, I'm not spending the time I need in the inspired writings, that's a problem. Now, as we as a people are emphasizing end-time events, I just want to share this observation. I want your take on what I see in the church. A lot of end-time preachers talk about the Sunday law. They talk yes. about what the Pope is doing. Yes. They conveniently ignore nowadays what apostate Protestantism is doing. That's pretty interesting. But yes. uh, the religious right is no longer a part of our end-time eschatology with our current event yes. preachers, which astounds me. Yes, me too. But do you see that there's no emphasis on the loud cry of the third angel, which is justification by faith? Yes. It's been like a, a complete dead silence on what we really need. Justification by faith, the latter rain, um, Christ, all the things that we need to be prepared for the end times. I have heard a, a dead silence. From, from many in the Adventist church because they're too busy getting caught up in these political things. And as you mentioned, um, people not being uh, watching the religious right anymore. And um, one reason is, at least for some of my good friends, they said that they have abandoned the idea of the religious right uh, playing a leading role in last day events. They see it as the radical left is playing a leading role in last day events. But the interesting thing is I asked my friends, please, can you give me an inspired statement that says that? I'll believe it. I'll be the first one to believe it if you can show me. No one has ever showed me a single inspired statement that uh, suggests that it will be uh, communism or the radical left who leads out in uh, a Sunday law. From what I see in prophecy, um, it's, it seems quite clear it is Protestant America who leads out in um, the Sunday law movement and others follow. We saw that in history. Uh, you and I love history in the 1880s. Um, it was the uh, conservative right who led out in pushing a Sunday law. And everyone else eventually, well, not everyone, but many other political ideologies got on the bandwagon. Atheists got on the bandwagon. Of course, uh, labor unions and uh, people 
of uh, a more liberal persuasion, they got on the bandwagon. There was something for pretty much everyone, but the leaders in it were those who wanted to bring America back to God. They were the leaders in the movement. I grew up always understanding that, and I still see that from prophecy and the, the shift to thinking that the radical left you know, are going to be the leaders in last day events and bringing a national Sunday law rather than the followers. I don't see a single inspired statement to justify that. I only see political rhetoric that would like to believe that. Thank you so much for standing for the truth, the timeless eschatology of our Adventist church that was given to our pioneers and from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. Thank you for standing with uh, your brothers and sisters. Uh, we're a worldwide church Amen. And you have friends all around of every nationality I know because of the circles yes. that you've kept. And that's the beauty of the Seventh Adventist Church, that Amen. our patriotism is not to a nation, but is to the kingdom of heaven. And we have the most diverse church in the world. Yes, we do. And uh, I know you appreciate it. You, you thrive in it. And I just pray yes. that we as a people reignite that beauty of diversity in people. Not yes. on theology, but in people that we appreciate one another. And I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for your bold and courageous stances for the present truth of this time, which is loving your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Which is the third angel's message, because here Amen. are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, Romans thirteen ten, all connected. And uh, I thank you so much for, for your time. And uh, I know your time is valuable. And thank you so much for being with us. Uh, can you close us out with a word of prayer? Yes, and I wanted to say I really appreciate you, Peter, and what, you, uh, what you're doing. I've appreciated your comments on social media. I appreciate uh, you putting together these podcasts. And um, I really appreciate that, um, from what I've seen, that uh, you're trying to take a Christ-centered approach to this problem that we face. And uh, I don't see you as being as one that's getting caught up in uh, the political sweep of the moment and taking a reactionary stance that's unbiblical or uh, taking a, um, a strong stance um, politically one way or another. I see you as, as uh, taking a Christ uh, centered approach and I really appreciate that and I appreciate you uh, having me at, uh, on your podcast today and uh, I, I feel blessed to be able to share uh, my heart's burden and what I firmly believe is biblical truth that we must stand for has some deadness and yes I, I will pray beloved heavenly father we are so grateful for your love, for your forgiveness. And we plead for our, your forgiveness, for all of us have sinned. And I think all of us lately, perhaps, have sinned in the charged atmosphere uh, since 2016. And I think many of us have sinned in the things we have said and if not in what we said, in the way we said them, on one side 
or another. I believe perhaps most of us have uh, sinned in regards to uh, the racial tensions that have built up and have uh, been distracted by uh, the devil's diversions and have said things that are uh, some may be true some may be lies but even if they're true some things have been so hurtful and we ask forgiveness if we've said anything uh, needlessly hurtful we ask for courage say things that uh, may be hard and people may not appreciate but but are true and need to be said we pray that um, we'll forgive our brothers and sisters uh, we offer intercessory prayer for our dear friends who are caught up in these uh, um, political movements and who are getting distracted one way or another um, we plead for them that they will take their eyes off of these things that are raising their blood pressure and ready to put them uh, in line for a stroke or a heart attack. And we pray that instead they will look to you. Without looking to you and surrendering our hearts to you first, um, we can't handle all that's happening in the world. It's too much for us. We need your grace and we, we thank you for it. I pray a special blessing on behalf of, of Peter and his ministry. I am so thankful for Peter and what he is doing and what he has said. I highly appreciate his courage, his self-restraint, um, his um, ability to say what needs to be said without extra uh, emphasis and harshness. Uh, I ask forgiveness where I have uh, been too vehement where I don't need to be and uh, where I have uh, not been as, as strong as maybe I should be at times and I pray that you will um, bless your church bless each listener of this, this podcast and that we will all put away sin whatever the sins are whatever form they take may we put away all sin look to you learn to love each other and strive to enter into your kingdom we thank you in jesus name amen <music>